0: Hello, everybody. This is Richie from the Metal Cell Podcast. I want to, first of all, give a shout out to our main sponsor, Rising Suns, the award-winning brewery in Cork. Now, I am delighted to welcome Kevin Byrne with Sonus Martis to the show. How are you, Kev? I'm good, Richie. Cheers. Thanks for having me on. Cheers, a man. A whiskey. Are you on the whiskey? Oh, fuck's Why not? Sake, man. I, should, I was thinking of bringing up a glass of wine and all. I was thinking, meh. Uh, yeah. Just, just out of work. But it anyway, is a Monday, you know, so. Yeah, the Monday club, man. <laughs> So, first of all, congratulations on Claps the Mountain.
1: Yeah, cheers. Yeah. And a brilliant,
0: shining example of terrific musicianship, lyrics, and songwriting. So fair play to you, dude. Much respect. And thanks for throwing it my way. Yeah, yeah. I thought it was time, you know. I've been at it for a while. So you have? You have. And what's the reception? It's only been out a few days, really, Kev, is it? Yeah, like the last album was was pretty good as well, but I'd say this is kind of
1: topping it now. Um, Great, did about ten orders on on Saturday, and then I did another ten today, and there's three in the pipeline. So that's just uh, physical, you know. Okay. So it's doing pretty well considering. Like I don't do a lot of um, like promotion. Like only around the time I'll I'll build up to it. Okay, I, I don't I don't I try not to like push it really far. I try and keep it a balance between. You know something, you know, a video or something, you know, that's worthwhile instead of just okay. saying four days
0: until <laughs> I know yeah
1: and nothing else. You know, yeah, it's
0: it's a common occurrence on the show that um I meet so many talented people on it and they create this incredible body of work, yet they're the worst at trying to promote it because mm. everybody's different, I suppose. Kev, what's your kind of whole perspective on it? That like you've created so much, so much time and energy into it, and then created an album that means so much to you in so many different reasons, Mm. and you're surrounded then by normal day life, family, etc. And then you're going to have to go into full advertising and (laughs) pushing it out
1: there. Yeah, to try and get a balance, I suppose, is the main thing. Because like, you know, at this stage, uh, you know, I'm 10 years nearly into it. Next year, I'll I'll be 10 years doing solo stuff. Um, and with validation, like back then, and with validation, we weren't really. I mean, it was MySpace back then, <laughs> so I mean that was completely different times. And even back then, you know, you'd you'd like a band because you know on those pages because you wanted to follow them. Yeah. Now it's a. I think it is a bit harder with like the algorithms, how things go. Like bands, like Facebook and all, definitely want you to promote it with money. Mm. You know. Mm. Yeah. Um. So you have to do different things now, and you know TikToks or all that kind of stuff that I wouldn't even venture into now. It's, it's too. It's not my realm, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I do try to push it out there. I kind of feel with music, um, if it's good enough, it has to pass a certain threshold for people to start noticing it. I mean, the very first song I did, um, I pretty much did little to no promotion of it, and I I just put on YouTube. Obviously, back in 2013, maybe it was a bit easier with algorithms and stuff like that. But, I mean, that's still one of my most listened to songs, you know, on YouTube. Yeah. And um, just all the the comments and everyone talking about it and, you know, just kind of true word of mouth on the internet Mm. kind of thing kind of pushed me on to do even more, you know. So, and same with this album as well. I mean, the fact that all these physical orders came in is kind of like, you know, it's a nice pat on the back. Yeah, and it's getting to people. yeah. Yeah. And it's yeah. great to see like it coming from random places and like someone from Japan asking for like an autograph and sign That's it on brilliant. the CD. And I, I, I find American. that kind of mad. You know, I am yeah. very when it comes to celebrities and stuff, I I'd avoid them. You know, yeah. I wouldn't give them <laughs> Maybe it's an Irish thing as well. I just wouldn't give them the time of day. It's like, leave them alone. It is yeah. interesting.
0: Yeah. yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like the podcast as, as well. Like I just like you fucking chart in New Zealand, you chart in mm. Iran. And all these random places and you're just going wow that, that's nuts but then you just fucking move on and you know you just acknowledge it and go hmm, how is that happening yeah. you just really can't yeah. dwell on it as such um, yeah. from your point of view obviously they're your fans they're buying the material off you so it's interesting maybe to kind of look at their backgrounds and would you ask some of them how they found you for example or yeah,
1: again, I, I, I try not to prey on them as well. Um, <laughs> and there's only if they've sent me an email themselves. Okay, fair I, enough. Obviously, I'll, I'll talk back to them and stuff like that. Sometimes yeah. I will ask because you are very curious to find out, like, where did you hear from me? Because especially like something that's, you know, from Ireland as well to try and get yeah. it globally. Because mm-hmm. um, like obviously, there's a lot in Germany that buy my stuff and, and America traditionally
0: um, yeah the
1: strongholds yeah But yeah the, yeah obviously the strongholds and stuff but yeah just to find out and it's like well youtube or it came up on Bandcamp as a mm-hmm. you know discover for the on the top feature for when you you know your album comes online so it's just that that second you know it's kind yeah. of like attention economy kind of thing you only have so many hours in the day loads of people listen to podcasts like yourself and you know yeah. that takes up an hour or so and then you know there's not much time
0: mm-hmm. left in the evenings so Do you know I often find as well that there'd be some people on YouTube that would have a a station that would be just dedicated. For me, it's trash-like. So there'd be four or five different people that'd be posting trash, new trash the whole time. Is that similar for your kind of music? Is there people out there that would just kind of get onto you straight away and go throw that onto a playlist or onto a YouTube channel yeah
1: yeah yeah and, and it's always the same now for the last few years like even with the my first album and I was kind of pissed at the time because like you know you put so much effort into it and then you see it on like all these Russian sites and YouTube the whole album yeah like oh, fuck and yeah. then you realize you yeah, know after the third album I started to like be at peace with it and realize you okay. know these people are promoting it. I don't know what their backgrounds are like you know they probably couldn't afford anything you know in these mm. types of ways so you kind of let it be and, and you kind of look at it as promotion because there is as i say it's like nearly collapse the mountain is, is kind of that thing we have mountains of stuff like you could go through mountains of podcasts and you never reach the top the same yeah. with music same with yeah. there's so many parts of our lives that we can't reach the top you know and okay. that's okay yeah. but um you know as long as we enjoy what we're doing like the journey rather than the destination you know yeah
0: absolutely and the journey kev is interesting because you were with valediction because i mean there's a real underground scene there now and the likes of those bands are also being mentioned nowadays younger people are discovering them Mm. so maybe just talk about i suppose the young kev where you grew up what was the background was in music you know what were your influences I mean,
1: f- uh, from an early age, I was into music, and how I kind of figured that out was when I was six and seven, just watching films. Okay. And you know, I got the ear for the theme song that would be in in, nice. the, in the film. My dad would have the VHS tapes, kind of yeah. showing my age now, but uh, <laughs> I'd nick them on the sly. So you know, t- films you record off off the telly like um, Aliens, okay. Alien, Predator, Terminator, all the '80s classics, basically. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah, and I'd be listening to the theme song. I'd be listening, re- rewinding back to an action scene, and I'm like, "Oh, that music's quite cool," you know, kind of militaristic drums and everything, yeah. and in aliens and stuff. And around that time, my dad's kind of noticed this, and he'd you know buy me soundtracks. You know, I'd fall asleep listening to them, like John Williams, James Horner, uh, Jerry Goldsmith, and Hans Zimmer, kind of more lately. Okay, and yeah. then one big one was uh, getting Jeff Wayne's War of the Worlds on CD from my dad. Oh, oh, sure. That's a classic. Yeah. Yeah. I have that like, on LP, would you believe here?
0: Oh, class. Yeah, I don't know if it's the um, first or second
1: person, but it's an old, old one. Oh, right? oh that, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah. It has to be the original, by the way. None of this new. No, stuff. no, no,
0: no, no, no. Yeah. Um, But yeah, it's I so mean, cool just, that uh, fucking Phil Linnett is on it. Like.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I didn't know I mean, that at the time. I was so oh. young. I couldn't connect the two. Yeah, it's yeah, only yeah, later okay. on. I was like, wait a minute. And you see it <laughs> on the album. And you actually link it. It's like, oh, brilliant. Yeah. his voice is excellent for that oh. um, but even like the whole idea of like getting the guitars, the synths together um, like the story, I just loved that as a kid Like, and I loved the 1950s film as well, which was like far superior to the Tom Cruise oh. Abomination
0: Abomination is right, yeah <laughs>
1: but um, yeah, I mean, even like the music in the 1950s film, the team uh, it's not really a team, it's just kind of real classical music, but it's really haunting sure yeah. back then that was like, oh, this is kind of sets the tone for the film it does. So like that, all that kind of stuff feeds into what I do now, you know. Yeah. And so, like, you were like a sponge at the time. Yeah, yeah. So oh, completely, like, up. and you know, with my family, like, they're not really musical. Like, my mom would listen. We were encouraged into music, mm. but uh, my mom just, like, from growing up, she just uh, listened to the music on the radio. Only realized, like, after talking to her, like nowadays, like she's like, oh, I used to listen to Led Zeppelin and Rory Gallagher, all the seventies kind of rock and stuff, nice. and I was like, oh, that's kind of cool.
0: Yeah, of course it is, man. And, and, um, That's really nice to hear. And, like, the first instrument then, was it a guitar? Um, no, you know, they a got triangle. me into the, like, tin whistle, you had to try the spoons. <laughs> Go in the
1: corner and play your spoons, you know. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, the usual tin whistle recorder. Um, I, I eventually started playing um, in a Lucan, Lucan concert band, so, out, out in Dublin. Um, okay. So, uh, it, it was the... And this is showing my innocence now, but um, uh, when I was like 14, 15, looking for a summer job, first thing I had in my hobbies was playing the flute. I'm sure someone got a good chuckle at that. Like...
2: <laughs>
1: um... Brilliant. <laughs> but yeah, I, like, I played with that. I was in a loop in the, the canticle at the time as well, and I was a preteen. And that's probably why my voice is so rigid and, like. well, I kind of think it's kind of boring because you, you kind of meld it into a certain tone at the time as a kid. Right, you okay. never really stray from that then. So That's interesting. But, look, I kind of like doing, doing baritone stuff. I might do more singing. I do a bit now and again in the albums, but um, it's, it wouldn't be a main source. It's usually just pure screaming, you know? Yeah. <laughs> but, um, yeah. And, um,
0: Did you form a band in school then, or what happened then, Kev?
1: Yeah, uh, in secondary school, we, but it was kind of stuff like, oh, I had a guitar real, like Ibanez. my first guitar when I was 14. And we were playing things, covering like Red Hot Chili Peppers, Foo Fighters, Smashing Pumpkins, like kind of the alternative stuff from the 90s that we would have kind of grown up on. Okay. And um, uh, like I didn't even have an amp. It was like um, like a double tape uh, stereo. and it, it sounded terrible, but to me it sounded great. It was like the best thing. <laughs> Until you see someone else, then their band come on and they're way better than you and they're blasting like metallic or something you're like oh okay so this yeah. is how it is <laughs> yeah 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 it was only when i was 19 did i start to get into um valediction then you know um okay. I, I knew one or two of the lads from from school um and like you know i wasn't playing bass at the time but they were looking for a bassist um and yeah it was just a case of their previous bassist was um let's just say he had a, a boot on the end of his bass for balance um, what? I don't know what that was about yeah a booth for balance apparently apparently Man. it was too heavy for him on one side so I knew I didn't have much competition um, but the lads were, were cool like they were into like Ice Dirt, Maiden all that kind of, Nevermore all those bands like and I was kind of late discovering all, the, all them as well mm-hmm. um, so yeah over like about 2005 when we when we started Valediction um, and then it was took about two years before we actually got a gig uh and a full lineup really okay um we got a second guitarist kilo um and he was like brilliant it's like good sweep when he was like 16 years old it's like he might be a bit younger than us but
0: we have to have him yeah and yeah. Then we had Lar frazier who was in uh, um i went to college with Lar, man fucking no jam. way yeah yeah great <laughs> singer actually
1: yeah yeah great he was in like first blood and predator all these kind of bands in the 90s yeah,
0: fucking like, lunatic like a,
1: yeah, but it was great to have someone with experience compared to us. We were bright eyed guys at the time.
0: Was Larry uh, Older than me,
1: yeah? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'd say it was Jesus. good 10 years. Oh maybe. my God, are you serious? That's fucking hilarious, man. But um, <laughs> like, we didn't, we didn't mind because we were like, look, he has experience. He has mm. good stage presence. Yeah. Uh, someone who could sing. That's what we were looking for at the time. We were a very much power metal type band. Oh, yeah. Um, and I'm, I'm pretty sure he was the one who got us the supporting gig with uh, our, our first gig, like with Mass Extinction. Do you remember right. for them? Of course I do, yeah. Yeah. Um, class Band, um, mm. like, like th- that was October 2007. So, like, that was the era, like, there was a mini trash revival going on at the time. It was,
0: yeah.
1: And they were kind of spearheading it, yeah. as far as I'm concerned, in, in Ireland at the time. And I remember their demo was coming out, uh, Creation Undoing, and this was their demo launch
0: they okay. we were releasing
1: it in a place called uh the temple so it was on Dorset street in dublin so is that a cool kind of basement for a gig the temple was that done by comet records um yeah near on on, on Dorset street so yeah it's close enough to it yeah okay um yeah it was, and, and you know the fact that we got that gig like i'd say it was probably because of lara you know and okay. we were something a bit different on 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 the support list you know i mean there's raging conflict as well they're kind of a war type band that were kind of like ball Oh yeah. um and then there was venusian death cell never heard of uh, them you have you heard of them no <laughs> um oh, they are notorious <laughs> so i'll just tell you a bit about the gig then um on, i just yeah. remember that part of it being a bit mad so um, I remember going downstairs with, with our gear and everything and, you know, they're on first the Death Cell. and I, I have no real clue about them. So the whole crowd is kind of chanting, vortex, vortex, and I'm like, okay, let's see how this goes. Obviously, they have a following, so I was a bit, oh, shit, like, if they're good, we're on next. Um, so, but there's only one guy and he's behind the drum kit and I'm like, okay, see how this goes and he has a mic and then he just kinda of bangs away, there's no other music except for him and he's like screaming down the mic. Oh, and Jesus. he was saying like haha Halloween and all this. And <laughs> the crowd <laughs> were repeating it back to him. <laughs> and I'm trying to like figure out what he's saying in other songs. And yeah, the crowd are roaring after each song. Like it was kind of like beautiful chaos. But Jesus,
0: that's mental.
1: Yeah, it was a bit mental, all right. A guy on
0: drums. Yeah. Apparently it was mic.
1: supposed to be another a guitarist that was supposed to come, but he just never <laughs> showed up. <laughs> so he just played the gig vibes then. Yeah, just oh, didn't fair play it. to him, you know. But um oh, after man. after after 15 minutes of this, uh, we were just told, Here, um, just go on. He's starting to get into a daze. <laughs> so he's just kind of staring down at his kit and we were like setting up around them, which was a bit awkward. Oh my <laughs> and god. And he was kind of coaxed off and then like we we played our bit and gig went wild and like the lads from Mass Extinction I have to say were like they were pretty sounds and mm. they give us that slot and for our first gig and like to be honest they were so welcoming like to the scene and all that and I think that kind of elevated us to get like more decent gigs from the get-go the fact that we were a bit different like we did play a bit of cheesy power metal and um, no one else was kind of doing that at the time I hate to say that but you know a lot of people said oh we were the only ones doing this yeah yeah but but uh, and Mass Extinction had us on uh, for a few more gigs supporting as well so we must have been doing something something right so when you you
0: were looking around then at the scene Kev was it just a band decision to get heavier or do you think it was just a natural progression for you as a, as a band?
1: Yeah. Um,
0: Could you have I mean, been cynical about it and go, well, maybe we should go down this route because there's you know, a bigger scene? See, we were doing well with Lara and, and the, the clean singing. We we found out pretty quickly we were one of
1: the few at, at the time okay. doing it. um, And like to have the synths as well, which was kind of frowned upon at the time. Well, at least we had a keyboardist, so it, yeah. it played the part. And like, you know, we were playing with bands like, you know, Sarah Fall, Visitor Q at the time, which were Vile Regression, Aggression, uh, Decare, Dead Label. They were all like starting as well around the same time as us, like Darkest Era as well. Yeah. And they were singing and um, like all real sound bands and got on with them really well. And maybe there was a bit of air competition around the place, but that's, I kind of viewed that as a positive thing because yeah. that only usually happens when it was a good support slot for a good band. Mm-hmm. And we didn't really play many gigs. We played about ten a year, right? Uh, like we didn't play Fivors every every weekend. If yeah, we, you of know, we didn't overstay our welcome. I phone I, I kind of felt yeah. like we played. We supported like Disaster Germany. Oh, yeah, fucking class about, band. We're tops. Yeah, great band. I mean, blew, blew voodoo out of it. Like, and that was like 2008. Play with like Terzaz. They came over from Belgium and yeah. they played Siege actually in 2017. So it was great to Another see great them band. like kind of reminded me they played some of the songs they used to play back then as well. Um uh,
0: was so Jim was, Tobin remember- in Cork at that stage doing any of the Winter Fest gigs? Yeah, we did. The 2008 one with a Monmore. Ah. Um people don't class. believe me the fucking I was I was only on about that the other day to someone uh, I can't remember now, but uh, they were just, they wouldn't fucking believe me that I'm on them play the Grushin Law and gork.
1: They they were on the cusp of like getting like blowing up basically. Like yeah. they just released, I think, Twilight of the Gods. or That's right, yeah, it was, yeah. The Thunder Gods or whatever. Yeah. Um, The most annoying part of that was, so me and Foster, once we did the gig, we're like, right, let's get pissed. And we just went up to the top and we just started doing Jaeger shots. I'm pretty sure they ran out of Jaeger. Maybe it was not because <laughs> of us, but we at least I drank half the bottle of it. He was comatose. I Had to bring him back to the hotel, and I missed most of Amon Amarth, oh, which everyone was saying, you know, obviously blew the place apart, yeah. like you know. And,
0: and the drum kit was the stage, like,
1: yeah, yeah. It was very small. Uh, I loved that place, like just up at the top of the hill. And yeah. uh, it's a pity it, it went, but um, have good times there. We we went there a good few times to play with Wizard, this kind of power metal-y band from Germany again. Yeah. Um, we we played in Dublin, which was a good. Um, turn out but in Lawn that night was it was pretty bad there wasn't really many people that turned out and it yeah. was like a disco or whatever like a techno gig straight oh, afterwards yeah. and yeah. we were trying to talk to Wizard and they're like looking across and all these lads and you know <laughs> and I was like yeah we didn't know this was going to happen straight afterwards
0: <laughs> it um, happens a lot these days even voodoo you're yeah. just fucking shepherded out like in next minute there's <laughs> yeah. a full on rave or whatever what's mm. going on yeah, strange, but uh, they were yeah. all good times for you, Kev. And like you'd meet with other band members. Uh, you know, I'd like to think that those friendships are still there. Yeah,
1: I suppose I'm not the, funny. You probably would not notice this talking to me, but uh, yeah, I'd be quite not not antisocial. But like, I once I'm finished a gig, I'm kind of sweating like a maniac, right? And um, I I just want to like get a few drinks, and you know, so if they see me at the bar, I'm talking to them. You know i'll get them a shot or whatever and if yeah. they're you know playing with us or whatever we'll, we'll we'll drink with them and stuff but um yeah i'd need time to like cool down and like just yeah you know because i don't know why but like just anything i do any kind of exertion <laughs> i'm like bam i'm gone <laughs> but, uh, oh that's mad so uh,
0: when did valediction come to an end or
1: yeah so like we we replaced Lara in two thousand nine, and we went down the heavier route. We were kind of yeah. listening to like In Flames, Dark Tranquillity, all the kind of melodic okay. metal, which was yes. at third time. Yeah, um, and like we were detuning. We were like, I became the kind of main songwriter then when, when Kilo left. Okay, and so we went kind of down the the kind of heavier route. And um, yeah, it was two thousand eleven. We brought out a debut album, and that like. Was well received, to be honest, and I still get like I I'm the only one that's on the Facebook page now, and I'll still get messages like, "Oh, can't believe he's broke up, he split up." Any chance of, he's getting back together and stuff? Yeah,
0: and, you I know, was only so... listening to it yesterday because of of this uh, interview tonight. Uh, the primitive architecture. Yeah, yeah, man. Yeah. There's two or three great tracks in there still, dude.
1: Tell me which one. <laughs> oh, um, I'll tell you now. If you can remember, because uh I'll give you a funny one. This this will settle something for me. <laughs> or not, maybe. But um yeah, I remember when um I was kind of pushing more more my material into the band and uh had a song called Transcendent and um I remember Kilo uh listened to it and he's like, That's one of the worst songs I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> really? Yeah, and um I remember in the Metal Ireland review, it was like it was given a paragraph, you know, kind of explaining like how he, he kind of thought was, that was one of the stronger songs. Ah, and, The Siege uh, of This. Oh, Siege of This, yeah, class. Yeah, yeah that's a great Kilo's song. Man. song. <laughs> so that that settles that. Oh, okay, fair enough. <laughs> but um, yeah, you can see the two different um, kind of songwriting there, like, you know, yeah. the more power metal driving stuff that Killer would write, write and then kind of the darker stuff mm-hmm. is more my stuff, you know? And yeah. I have to continue with it with Sonus Mortis, you know? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. But yeah, it was. It basically came to an end, like we were doing good gigs. We played with Diamond Head. We got them, like Martin, uh, our singer at the time, he got them over, he promoted it, uh, went to Dundalk in Dublin. And uh, it was great to play with them. We were playing with Blaze Bailey um, and a few others. And then I think by the end of 2011, tw- start of 2012, we were kind of, we got this uh, buy-in tour right. uh, for a band called Propane. And, of course,
0: um, I've heard the propane, yeah.
1: Yeah, the P A I N, not not a propane. Not the American,
0: pro- the, American yeah, the American band, band yeah. yeah. And yeah, I remember
1: yeah. googling them, and it was like a fistful of hate, and like the American <laughs> flag in the background. I was kind of listening to their songs, and I was like, mm, "How is this going to match up?" Like, I don't think it matches up with us. Like, obviously, we went a bit heavier, but we weren't kind of like a a new male of hate breed. Okay chalk and cheese dude yeah so and i was looking at the crowds at them and i was like yeah that's not gonna we're gonna get absolutely like i thought it would be the end of the band if we actually did that buy-in and it was a buy-in as well it wasn't like if it was arch enemy at the time or one of those kind of bands we were more More linked up to we would have probably jumped at it and i was in a job at the time you know i was in the recession still people were let go in the job previous you know and you know foster was doing exams our drummer was a chef so it was kind of nearly split. Okay. Three to two on doing it, and that kind of left a sour taste with a lot of the a lot of the guys. And then I think we did the Vakin competition. We were in the final with Cold War, and they they won that year, oh, deservedly yeah, so. War, yeah, yeah, and um, yeah, and I think that just kicked us as well. It was like icing on the cake to go. Yeah, it, it was kind of just left. It was never like official. Okay um but yeah it just kind of ended like that so I mean it wasn't any like martin's still doing like cover bands and stuff and I'm still doing my own thing like and the other lads are like doing their own stuff like not music but you know
0: yeah like yeah. their own paths and stuff but uh yeah good yeah. times so. though oh yeah definitely Jesus and like when you look back even at the the scene back then kev I don't know do you go to many gigs now yourself but uh, the scene back then was pretty healthy wasn't it
1: yeah I mean the the was- like I think at any stage there's always tons of bands. As you, you mm-hmm. find out, like the past few years you've been doing this, you know, since yeah. twenty nineteen or whatever. Yeah. Um there's there's tons of good stuff out there. and um, there's there's just as much bad and average stuff as well. But um back then it's pretty much the same, except I think there was more bands. Yeah. They they kind of pop up and then a year or two later they're gone. You see them at a few gigs and then yeah. they disappear. There's always a cohort of a few, like the economy and uh, Evolve Regression, Dead Label and Dark Seer and all those bands kind of came up with us and they kept, a few of those kept going while we we filtered out eventually. But um, yeah, I mean, I still try and get the gigs. A lot of stuff in favors now I find like, you know, instead of Friday nights, Saturday nights, it's kind of cover bands now as opposed uh, to brand new bands or whatever.
0: True. So, and they, they get the fucking crowds, man. They do, yeah. Is.
1: Yeah, I mean, yeah. Martin plays... Um, like in Tin Lizzy cover band, he does Motorheaders, he does ACDC. Like one night he could do maybe two or three
0: bands up yeah. and he's like switching between wow. the personas and everything like, you know, Jesus and tons Christ. of people. Tons yeah. of people. Like, I mean, you only have to look at the likes of the Seattle Grunge machine like that. They can fill out the Academy. Yeah. Yeah. And my friends in a tool band as well, cover bands, um, I can't
1: remember their name, I should know Confis the drummer. Oh and, um, God, what are they called?
0: They're actually very good. At they're brilliant, is yeah, yeah,
1: they're even be- I'd nearly say they're better than tool in terms of the set list, anyway.
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um, yeah, yeah, they, they play
1: all the favorites, but um, yeah, I mean, it's still healthy. I mean, it's great to see Dead Label uh still going and like you know, far and good, so, uh, you know, going beyond what we are Bloodstock,
0: and, Yeah, man, fair play. Yeah. To them. They're on the main right.
1: stage there. Yeah, it's brilliant. Yeah, so it's, I mean, they're they they were always class like and like when. They used to be with us and stuff. They were nothing but like sound, even back then. But they had—you could tell—they were—they loved playing and they loved to like. They were serious mm. about it as well. There was undercurrent of being serious about it. Yeah. But you know, being sound as well is always class. Like to, yeah. to add on top of it, you know.
0: I suppose it would be correct in saying you made a, a really important friendship and relationship with uh, Michael Richards of Track Mix Studios. Yeah. Um, uh, we used him for
1: the Valediction uh, mm-hmm. album, and um, just saw how he worked. And, um, yeah, I, when it came to doing my own stuff, I was kind of like, you know, I kind of know what he's about. He's done the synth stuff as well, so he knows, you know, in terms yeah. of mixing and all, uh, how, to, how to blend that in. I had I had a few songs written, but there was one in particular, the one I talked about at the start, uh, A Pale Reflection, and um, I said I'd go in for a day, see if it worked. If it doesn't work, I'll leave it. You know, no yeah. one will have to hear it. Yeah, yeah, and I was actually originally going to not have any vocals whatsoever, and I said it to Mick, kind of bouncing back and forth, and he's like, "Go into the booth. and sure, I'll, I'll let you know if it sounds good or not." Yeah, and within like one or two of the verses, he's like, "This, just keep going." Yes, <laughs> and uh, yeah, that that's what made me stick with it. Then is because you know I didn't have much confidence in my voice. Um, I would have done backing vocals for Valediction, yeah. but would have been pure, just kind of roaring rather than trying yeah. to scream. Yeah, yeah, so, um, yeah happy enough with it and then that kind of continued on for like since then so I've known him you know more than uh being in the band of Valediction
0: and stuff you yeah know? It's, it's incredible and I talked to a lot of solo artists on this that come out with with their own projects and I find that a lot of the time a guy like Mick, Mick Richards is vital to them because he can give you the feedback you have the trust and yeah. he can he can be open enough as well to you to suggest Things oh, change yeah. and you'll take it on board. Yeah,
1: you, you, you need that as well. You need a kind of back and forth. And um, he's good with that, you know, and he's good with like spotting things and, and, and hearing things. And yeah, and, and just the whole mix and like just the whole process with him. It's it's very easy with him, you know, and straightforward. Um, obviously, it's, it's great like, to be prepared as well. I, I kind of prepare a lot of it at home now. Yeah. The first three albums I used to go in, record everything, vocals, guitars, bass. I used to wow. sit behind the kit and just do the symbols because, like, no way could I do, like, I'm not a, yeah. not a drummer at all. Yeah, yeah. I
0: used to do cymbals and stuff, but it doesn't really blend well and bleed well in. How long would that take, Kev, so, the initial first three albums? Like, you'd be in the studio for, what, a week, I'd guess? Yeah. More?
1: Yeah. At the, the, well, the first album was definitely a week and a half. And then I, I started to get a bit better at things and okay. get down to seven days and five days. Yeah. Now I'm I'm kind of doing albums within three to four to five days if I have to. Um, yes. I'm recording a lot at home now. I have a lot of stuff, um, you know, proper microphone. I have all the, the gear behind me as well. Um, that takes that takes a while to accumulate. The build up, you. yeah. So from 26 and onwards, like I didn't have an album till 2020, and I kind of recorded half in studio, half at home with the 2012 20 album, just in case. I was, it was shit at home, and I was like, oh, feck. And then, <laughs> yeah. you know, have to add more days in okay. when I could have done it all in one go anyway. So it worked out. Um, and then since the, la- uh, the album last year, I've been doing it mostly from home. Then I go into the studio with Mick,
0: send all the files across, and get it all down, you know? Yeah, and of course, you have the benefit of not having to answer to anybody but yourself. Yeah, like... I I think
1: labels now just, uh, to me, it's more of a middleman. Just for me personally, it's like, it is solo stuff. They're not yeah. going to get um, the gigs and all that, that are more favorable, you know, you know, there's not much in, in album sales yeah. um, for them, you know, there's no real point. Um, so I like doing it myself. Like, you know, you carve out your, li- your little section, your little niche yeah. and um, you get your 50 odd fans and, you know, it's it's great to see that you can sell out like the third album's now fully sold out, only have about ten CDs of the last two albums, and then this album's fifty percent of the way there already
0: for physical yeah. sales. So happy enough, you know. Yeah. And of course the live aspect, you're done and dusted with that, man. You're not doing any any of that. Yeah, anymore. it
1: would be like to say like you wouldn't secretly love to like obviously play the siege, which would, <laughs> yes. or something something grand, you know, to like yeah. top it all off. But um yeah. I think, like, the way I I, I, I program a lot of drums with um, with the mind of, like, you know, Dave Lombardo and all this kind of stuff, you know, yeah. I'll I take a lot of their tricks and kind of shape it into our, my songs and stuff like okay. that. And I know, like, that's killing off uh, 90% of the drummers <laughs> out there, you know, off the bat.
2: Of course. But there is, yeah. I
1: mean, you could make a set list at this stage with, with songs that are well, well doable, you know, but... I found it, especially towards the end of Valediction, I I actually found it hard to to gig, and I didn't. I started to not enjoy it a lot. Oh, um, really, yeah? Yeah, it was just... I don't Probably know the what,
0: waiting around, or is it Yeah. It was,
1: yeah, and, you know, you go all the way down to... Well, not all the way down, <laughs> Cork, or, like, up north and stuff, and you're there for the whole day, uh, sound-checking at four or three, and then you're waiting. And, uh, yeah, I, not really enjoying that part anymore, and then... Yeah, even though I was people, in my
0: twenties. Yeah, a lot of people don't think about that. I mean, yeah, like for a thirty-minute set, the, mm. the the travel, the waiting around, you're getting food. There's yeah. expenses thrown in there, and just to play for thirty minutes, then. But like, yes. obviously, those thirty minutes will be, you know, the release. This is what you're working to as a musician, anyway. You know. For yeah, example, to yeah. To your music, um, and, and and then I I got really critical and like.
1: I don't know if it's like it was a controlling thing but like you'd hear something going wrong like the drums or something or you hear something else and that like stick in my mind then I was like oh that didn't sound right that didn't sound right maybe it's because I'm a bit of a perfectionist oh, okay. um, you know you start to hear and these things start to niggle me as like maybe it's a bit more than just those things that was more of a symptom than you know the cause of me not to enjoy them you know that kind of way yeah um but yeah, I'd love to, you know, I, I'm glad we didn't go full on, you know, Fibbers every week back then with with Valediction. And, you know, if, if, if I ever was kind of blessed to have a few guys that wanted to do it, then, you know, it would be one-off kind of gigs, you know, yes. but
0: it's very, very unlikely. And the songwriting process then, with you, Kev, is it composed mainly on a guitar or keys or what way do you approach it? Yeah, I mean, I have a keyboard and stuff. It'd be very rare I'd get a song
1: started on that. I remember reading in a crying magazine, actually, um, Trent Reznor was kind of, he was asked the same question. And back in the 90s, he was like, I used to grab a tape player and then just grab my acoustic guitar and then just start riffing. He would um, then listen back to it and take, uh, you know, oh, that's a good riff, that's a good riff, and then start from there. Okay. I pretty much get my acoustic guitar and um, just riff for a while. Remember, I was watching a uh, Varg, his crazy YouTube oh, channel. Oh, Jesus Christ! Um, <laughs> just <laughs> randomly watching it, and I was like, "Oh, he's talking about like songwriting," so I was a bit interested. And he's like, "Oh, I used to hum uh, lead melodies over his rhythm to get an idea." Okay, yeah. And then th- I started doing that. And I was like, "Oh, that's kind of cool." So you'd be like, you know, humming along to whatever rhythm part you're playing, and yeah, just build it up by by that. Um, from the Valediction Days, we used a software called Guitar Pro. It's basically like making MIDI, um, mid, like computer music, basically. You could tab out everything. So, like, every single song I have, and even in the Valediction Days, we have all the songs tabbed out. Like, you could play it like computer music. And, um,
0: really? Well, of course, Like I'm not a proper musician, so I've never heard of that. Yeah,
1: so it's like, um, I'm sure a few of the guys that you've had on, or especially maybe solo artists, have, yeah. have used pro a lot of people is like you're mad to use that to be like you have to program every little bit you know even all the drums everything that synths but um that was really helped me so every single song you hear i've, I've already had a, all that tabbed out i can play along with it i know okay. where the notes are supposed to go so it's not just completely from memory you know i you know wouldn't wouldn't work if i had to do it all from memory you know so that really helps with the recording okay. process
0: you know? has that changed and developed over the years guitar pro um, yeah, Is that but a I'm subscription sti- service or what?
1: Yeah, it, it's well, it's, it's kind of turned into, uh, you know, it's a bigger beast now. I think it's on like Tarpro 7 or 8 or something, okay. but I'm still on 5.2. <laughs> uh, I'm still on the retro <laughs> one. I was like, I can't go to the new one. I, I'm just so used to
0: the the old way. Oh, yeah, in case you lose anything. Like-
1: yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, so I, I'm kind of sticking with that, what I know, and not bothering with anything. Like there's enough stuff to learn regardless of uh, software, you know. But
0: um, yeah, we will say your life then outside of music, obviously your partner or whatever, or your family, do they know you're a musician and have loads of albums? How does that work? Like, I'm sure you get new friends as life goes on and it will be brought up. And then is that strange for you then to kind of go, well, it's a different type of music to what you could be expecting? Are are you nearly apologizing for that?
1: Ah uh, no, I, I wouldn't apologize. Uh, <laughs> no way. No fear. <laughs> Good man. Um yeah, I mean it is what it is, you know? I mean, you have to um you have to have some kind of confidence in it. Um, otherwise it's just going to kind of crumble in front of you. Before you even I know I'm not I'm
0: someone. not on about apologize. I'm um, just like cuz people yeah. have this perception about heavy metal in general and the, and the type of music that you're playing.
1: You'd be surprised when its friends like I've I friends from school like that I still talk to and they wouldn't be into metal at all like they'd know the mainstream artists and that's okay. it. Like but yeah, yeah. when I'm talking about what my stuff, and I dive into some of the you know, lyrics, the laugh yeah. and uh, you know, they'd have a good, good crack with it. And it's like, okay, you know, yeah. you're not just talking about like, cause they'd be used to like Kings of Leon or something. Okay. Talking about fire and shite and stuff. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, <laughs> <laughs> I was like, no, 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 I'm talking about society, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, I, but I do, um, I do find that, Myself, you know, when, whenever we're out, maybe just socially for something or other and we get to talk to people or just talk to couples and I, I would never say it, but my wife would always go, Oh, Richard has a, a podcast and I'm going off oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Here we go. Now there is certain times when that happens. Yeah. You know, and then, Oh, what, what kind of podcast is it? And I'm going, well, it's a heavy metal podcast about the Irish metal scene and they're what? What's that about? Like, is there an Irish metal scene? I'm going, yes, there Mm. is. And name bands, and they wouldn't have a fucking clue. And they're going, oh, and they're almost then apologizing to you for not knowing. And it's just like, I just fucking hate being put in that situation. It's just like, ah. Yeah,
1: yeah. We've had that discussion before, like in our heads as well and with other people. And yeah, it's it's just part of being a metalhead, isn't it?
0: Um... It is. It is. (laughs) We are a tribe. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. (laughs) Do or die. Yeah, and I'm building my way up to the new album, by the way. <laughs> it's just like, yep. there's so much. Enjoying to it. this. So, with COVID, right, I hate bringing it up anyway, but like, how did you find that in relation to creatively exploring what you had? Was there songs there that you'd maybe developed that made it to the previous album, or is there still maybe one or two that made it to this album, even? Yeah, I mean, I, yeah, with, with COVID
1: and stuff and lockdowns, um, I actually didn't write as much as I thought I would. I got okay. I. I very much guess um, writer's block, like, hugely. I could go six to eight months without writing wow. anything. Really? So, but yeah. I could write six or eight songs in, like, two or three days. Okay. And from the from then on, it's refining those ideas. And yeah. then, you know, with the first three albums, I was really bad with quality control, and I wasn't – I should have been more critical. Um, so that's ah, like, but
0: that comes with age man yeah experience. and it's like lesson
1: learned you know it was yeah. more enthusiasm back then it's like oh, I'll <laughs> throw 15 songs on this album and then you realise yeah I could have been 9 it would have been just as good you know that yes. kind of way I so understand yeah definitely things you learn from all that as well and um, yeah with the la- like the last kind of uh, past lives the album I did in 2021 mm-hmm. like that was more like the validation kind of stuff it was more melodic death metal yeah. so I kind of wanted to have a nod back to that and that was songs I re- wrote back in 2016, 2017. There was, I think, only two new songs on that album. So I'm kind of tapping my my old reservoir uh, yes. at, the, at the moment. Yeah. I think, but, but with this album, I definitely went more riffs on the riffs. Uh, a lot of my stuff was more, like, atmospheric, you know, uh, not so okay. much about the riffs, but about, like, the feeling of the song and all that. But with this one, I kind of try and mix the two together, have more riffs, you know, um, more of those sections where you're kind of nodding your head. Yes. I don't really have them in my songs. In a yeah. lot of the old stuff, you kind of listen to my old stuff, and you're like, when can I bang my head? <laughs> yeah. It's cool, but, you know. Because yeah, I was uh, going to
0: actually ask you about that riffs versus atmosphere and the mood. Yeah, could...
1: I tried to do it like uh, the song Claps the Mountain. I try uh, bring the two together. So like the verses, I have a lot of the kind of chunky riffs and then like bring back the lead into the chorus. But then I have an acoustic part in the middle and then the outro the lead
0: work on the album is exceptional. Really, really yeah, good. I
1: carried that on from the last album and there was a tiny bit of that on the 2020 album, but not mm. much. So I was like, look, it's I once I'm at home and I can do it. I'm not the yeah. best lead guitarist, but the past, no, it, the past it, two it really years, works
0: with the songs. It really does. Yeah. I,
1: I needed it. Needed it. I, I kind of found like maybe in the last, maybe the first three albums, if I refined them a bit more, it would have had more lead stuff in it. And would um, yeah. you have
0: two guitars, one guitar for lead and one for a rhythm or what? Yeah, hold on. This is what I love, organization. For those yeah. that are listening, Kev is showing me his guitars. <laughs> oh,
1: yeah. Sorry. Yeah. So this is <laughs> this is like a Dean. So this is my lead guitar. It's a white. Um, oh, it's a beauty. Russ Cooley one. And then there's an Agile, which is like my black guitar. So that's for the rhythm. And um, for people that can't see, this is my Warwick bass, oh. um, five string. But that's um. Cute. You've this was like three since... and a half grand to buy, but I got it for one grand. I had to go up north to get it. So that was definitely worth the triple. When when did you purchase that? Got it uh 2009.
0: Oh, ah, okay.
1: Jeez. From a goodness. guy, I can't remember his name now at this stage, uh, but he bought it in like 2000s in New York. And he was kind of gigging up north. I think he was kinda kinda in like kind of a rock band. Okay. And he just didn't need he, he didn't need any use for it anymore. He wasn't gigging. So I had to jump at a chance because I always wanted a Warwick. And I think it's pretty much the reason why Mick bought uh, a Warwick bass for his studio.
0: because I um, was saying that. I think it could have been Adrian Foley.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 Possibly. Yeah.
0: Um, um, might have been him now that, that had the use of that Warwick bass in the studio. Because, um, you
1: know, I I, I was bit, been bringing that in forever. Like, and uh, Mick's like oh, such a good sound from that. And then I think three albums in, he had one and he got a, a Corvette as well. So he has two work bases now. And he's like, people that come in with their own basses are like, they play that and they're like, oh, <laughs> God, that sounds so much. It's just a round kind of fat sound you get from there. Yeah. There's a bit of a clank to it as well. Fat. Fat yeah. is the is the, is the word
0: there, yeah, definitely. Definitely, um, yeah. So it's Okay, so wrong. I'm going to play one song. Anyway, if, at the moment, it's my favorite. It will change. I know it will. So this is Reveal the art trees. And attach the to leeches, my friend. Attach the leeches. <laughs> okay, here we go. Yeah, you can guess why. That's probably my favorite because there's so much going on with it. Yeah, <laughs> and and like there's some great lead work right through as well, and and some fucking riffs, man. <laughs> yeah, cheers. Yeah, it's um, yeah, it was good fun. Is
1: uh, I remember when I was um we were doing the mix or whatever, and uh, there's certain sections where you know you're getting the blast beats, and then you... The kind of long roar is basically, I'm like, yeah. we need more echo, we need more reverb. <laughs> and uh, Mick is like, Oh, you'll become a citizen of Norway, uh, <laughs> with this track. <laughs> um, like, I
0: wouldn't be a fan of a lot of synths and keyboards, I'll hold my hand up on that, but it, you, yeah. you work them in nicely into it, they're not in your face, which is good, you know? yeah. It's very subtle kind of stuff, it I, is, I, yeah, it'd yeah. be That's very rare. I'm, I'm darting it in, like, you know, with, yeah. When I say
1: symphonic, it, it is really, like, it's not really symphonic. It's more kind of synth work. Um, yeah. But uh, it'd be very rare I'm doing the darting kind of stuff. Only when it suits, I think, the song. Um,
0: Correct. So, yeah. so there's uh, the hint as well of, we'll say, choirs in the background. Yeah. the done again, on, very, Keys? Very,
1: very slight, yeah. Keys, yeah. And yeah, I love like, that. Yeah. Uh, I love that because that gives way more atmosphere as well. Um, yeah. So I was trying to marry it to, like, that's a good example, that song of, of getting mm. the riffs along with, you know, I still have the stuff in the background and, and yeah. still there. There's kind of a presence. There's always a, a line or a synth that's, that's under everything, you know?
0: Yeah. I want to talk to you as well about lyrics. Sure. Is there any kind of William Gibson, Philip K. Dick influences? There's uh,
1: Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> ah, okay. Um, that, well, why not? <laughs> yeah. There's a bit of him in the, the title track. Um, okay. People will probably spot it out once you, once you listen to it. But, yeah. um, I try not to give too much away with explaining the albums in terms of like lyrics. I like when people give their own, you know, view. Well, that's fair enough. Absolutely. But, you know, I, I I always try to, at least I try to do like a three prong approach in terms of like give the listeners, you know, a chance they can, you know, bring out a view in it. Um, And then in terms of the album context, there's lyrics for it. And then, you know, sprinkle in a bit of my own kind of personal stuff and yeah, bits and pieces you know that kind of way so
0: yeah holistic cult there the cult conformity and fashion finding faults in everyone is lacking in compassion opinionated importance knows no bounds while guilt announced in a court of clowns really cool i like that yeah <laughs> yeah
1: that's very much on the nose i think that one <laughs> but you know it's, it's a very much like you know there's kind of that cult perception of like you know a, a certain fad or something that's going on in society and it's like okay yes. we need to Uh, you know, it never happens in practice. Everyone says, oh, it's great to be this way and like, you know, have a a devotion towards a certain viewpoint. But, you know, human instinct kind of kicks in and Mm. doesn't go the way everyone thinks it will go. And, you know, you kind of need to push against the grain and have a bit of self-awareness and, you know, don't judge a book by its cover. You know, we kind of went across that like talking to mates or other people we know that aren't into metal, you know, things aren't black and white and things are complicated. People are multifaceted, you know, so,
0: yeah. Yeah. I picked out another one as well. And it's funny, t- the title, Render Us All Obsolete. <laughs> shout out to Yurt, who have an album title and a song called Upgrade to Obsolete. Oh, OK. <laughs> Were Brilliant. you aware of that, no? No, no,
1: it wasn't actually. So, yeah. yeah. And a big oh. shout
0: out to them. They're fucking super band. Yeah, um, yeah. Another three piece from Dublin. Cool. But uh, Render Us All Obsolete, mutinize and fuck the norm, elevate me higher beyond the human form. We must find a source Of Diversion truths that sponsor corporations through the polling booths. Another (laughs) good social commentary there, man.
1: Yeah, there's a bit of social political kind of stuff on this album. I I don't want to veer, I don't usually veer that much into it, but uh, I'm
0: surprised to see it. Yeah.
1: Yeah, it's kind of a dystopian future. Like, again, it's very much on the nose and using a bit of technology in the future, you know, at first, like to enhance this. I'm not saying this is happening. I'm not going to go down any conspiracy theory routes, but like if you ever. (laughs) Project things out if you want to predict things like you know health reasons given first and then you know you're programmed in submission. So that's the very much the idea of like what could happen if there was like system or government control yes. or too much of it. Um, and just to be like you know what type of world it could be if we don't you know we're not careful or yeah. you know. That type of
0: thing. Yeah, because like that's that's my point in relation to like Gibson and Philip K. Dick. Because one mm. other set of lyrics there in Nanotech Required is "Plug me in and obey, feed me the code and betray myself. A race to the bottom, no climbing up the walls. My words and the voice is mine."
1: Yeah, and earlier in the song I say like, "My words, but the voice ain't mine." Yeah. So. And at the end, I'm like, it is mine. So um, I don't know if you ever saw that stuff. Um, You know, Adobe, um, the company, they released uh, a YouTube video on uh, AI software that, you know, can record you. Uh, You you might talk for a minute or so, and then they can edit what you say, and they can put in new words, and it sounds exactly like you can emulate your voice. Okay. So, like, extrapolate that out, you know. It's like, I mean, we all know what Photoshop was like in the 90s, but nowadays it's like you can't tell what's what with, with yeah. photos same yeah. thing will happen with audio you know in 10 years time if you extrapolate that idea out you'll have Morgan Freeman in every audio book mm-hmm. um, you're, Richie you'll, you'll, if you don't want to do it anymore you can just type it all out have a program Richie in, in the it middle wouldn't
0: be great wouldn't, would you think <laughs> anybody would know it escape <laughs> you're sitting in the background just drinking away we do more than it. <laughs> <laughs> just keep the audio off yeah but I mean like it's just a bit of a theme that I've I've I'm just trying to explore with you because in your past lives album that song uh, become static. Mm. It's a little test, you know, man. Like because you're, you're, I mean, your lyric content fits fantastic, but in that become static. It's kind of hinting at your kind of looking at dystopian world. And in the future, because with the lyrics discard the weak, seek out the terminate, the cells that break away, form bonds and mutate. So replicate, upload, and activate, sequence and recreate the carbon primate. That is me. Yeah. Is that yeah. out of sequence in relation to the rest of that album? Because there's another track in that album as well that kind of hints at again this future that's kind of out of control in relation to technology because a lot of your lyrics then would be not quite mythical but you know they play along the lines of overthrowing
1: yeah, Defiance kind, of- kind of stuff yeah um, and i suppose it's only it's only really since the third album i started doing all that kind of stuff as well and uh, but i never really went in the technology route it's only in the past two albums i have kind of fully yeah fully explored it a bit more and yeah i but- think it actually suits the
0: music Ed.
1: yeah yeah
0: it's interesting and-
1: I, I don't want to. I, I never pigeonhole myself. Like as you can see, like I try to at least expand it out. I, you still know it's Sonus Mortis, but yeah. Um, I think with the last album, I thought I kind of blended well the melodic death with my sound. Yeah. And then the lyrics, I tried to keep somewhat similar, but
0: adding more to my bow. You know. Yeah. Um. I suppose what I'm trying to get at is there a concept in between those two or three albums there that. You're exploring yeah. in sections, we'll say, of, of songs.
1: Yeah, I suppose, like being in IT, you, you, I can't help but think. Oh, of, really? Are you? Yeah, yeah. I mean, ah, I've been okay, playing she, computers since then. PC gamer since I was like seven or eight. So, like playing Doom and Quake and all these games, yeah. all the soundtracks as well, brilliant See? on them.
0: Yeah. But, um, See, these fucking questions, caveman. man, I weeded it out that you're <laughs> IT. <laughs> I'm, a, I'm a complete that nerd. That makes sense. That makes sense now. Okay. Okay. Yeah. But, um, well, i yeah. bad, man. I mean, that's great to take your creativity from that side of things, you know.
1: Yeah, no, you know, obviously, like, you know, in metal, like, we, we explore things that, like, a lot of other genres don't really yeah. do. Um, And, you know, it's a perfect example of, of going into those things as well, because um, you never know what the future might hold. You know, there might be perfect imitations of us in the future. That's, yeah, that's <laughs> Still scary, going.
0: Man. That's scary, <laughs> But uh, we'll need Kurt Russell with the flamethrower. I'm going to play the title track, if you don't mind, Collapse the Mountain. Cool. I've been listening to metal since fuck knows how long, but sometimes you anticipate what the musician is going to play and you'd hope that it would go in there. And that part there where it just kicks off and gets faster and heavy is just perfect.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like that part. I, I actually said that to make, I was like, I think that's one of my favorite sections off the album. That, yeah. that's because it, It's, it's the a same lovely kind of build up, verse. isn't it? yeah. And um, I, I tried to like. I wanted the intro. It's like I need something grandeur, you know. To talk to this, you know, mountain, you know. So I needed a lead lead riff that had some kind of weight to it, like the sheer scale of it, and like just that last part there. That was the Edgar Allan Poe part, you know, deep within. Oh, was the darkness,
0: that it? ah glass? Hearing, okay.
1: you know, along. I like, stood there pondering, fearing it's, it's the raven. Yeah. And um, like on on one level, it's like you know mountains, you know, even on mountains of music, like you'll never be able to climb them all. Most people don't even climb one, you know, yeah. and it's like kind of never ending nearly if, if you let it be never ending. Um, and yeah, I just, you know, and even like the other uh, viewpoints of like climbing up a mountain, like as a kid, like it's new, everything's new, teenager, you're, you're, you're experiencing all of that. That's how the first verse kind of goes. Then in the chorus, you're kind of talking about it being restricting as an adult. You know, your other things get in the way. Like there's other mountains to climb. You'll never climb them. You know. Yeah. So there's it's all a lot of that kind of stuff. You know. Um, So that was an unrealistic thing to say. Is like collapse the mountain. You know, as into like, you know, get out of your rut or all that type of stuff. You know, something drastic has to happen in order for that to
0: happen. You know, asteroid. Asteroid would do the trick. You know. (laughs) (laughs) It would. Was that just a obvious title? And track for the album, Kev, had you another one or two in mind that could have possibly been the yeah. title one? Yeah,
1: um, the first two tracks, it could have been either them or the fourth track, Queen Tala, but um, on a marketing perspective, like an Irish title, I don't know how well that would work. I could have done it. You could have, yeah. Because yeah. the artwork does work with that, it um, but it doesn't work with the first two tracks. So it was either the fourth oh, track okay. or Class of the Mountain. I, I, I kind of like how it
0: looked and how it fitted the music, I thought. Yeah, let's talk about the artwork. It is fantastic. Is that a Polish artist or something? I've heard of Slava before.
1: Yeah, I think he did the grief stuff. So, um, yes,
0: that's it, my friend.
1: Yeah, well so I, I known saw that. it and this was years ago. I think it was 2018, 2019 when they brought out that great album, Ascent. Oh, uh, super savage. And um, Yes, I, I I saw the, the kind of artwork. I like, oh, that's kind of cool. That's kind of long lines that I kind of like uh, just the the drawing aspect of it and I kind of looked and I saw what else he kind of had. And I was like, Oh, that kind of suits what I have in my head for the next. Mm -hmm. I wasn't even at that album yet. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) It was an album behind Really? Yeah. So I had this, I had this artwork for a while. So I had
0: it for a year and a half before I actually used it. Yeah. Um, And for those that don't know, you can purchase that art, can't you?
1: Yeah. Yeah. So this is different to my other albums that I, the first four albums, I actually, you know, went to an artist and, you know, got the artwork. Uh, yeah. Well, this was um, for past lives and, and this album, I actually, you know, Shutterstock, you know, mm-hmm. you can get the the licensing that way. Yeah. So I decided to go down that route just in terms of trying to bring my costs down, basically, you know. Yeah. And, and, you know, I'm at a stage now where three out of the six albums are kind of paid for. Yeah. So I, I, I look at it as a discount on my recording and get my music out there. And it's a big bonus, you know, and plus people listening to it and all that, you yeah. know, so uh, icing on the cake, yeah. really. So you yeah. don't
0: have to justify it to your wife. <laughs> no,
1: yeah, no. <laughs> yeah, especially now
0: that mine didn't
1: mind years ago, you know, but uh, now when it, it's when the it needs... the
0: same story everywhere, man. For every <laughs> musician I'd say that are in a marriage. or, or but sure. I, Like I,
1: I counter with, you know, I'm not going <laughs> to the you know, the footy every weekend and going to the pub, you know. <laughs> yeah, My course. hobby is,
0: is music, you know. Of course, yeah. yeah. He understands we, that, like. We're really good at coming up with fucking great excuses, man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, so Slava did the artwork for that. Uh, the two videos then you released uh, with the songs, Kev, was that something you wanted to do, explore that artwork? and Yeah, so some, like obviously some
1: people can go and, and get the like proper videos done. I've done one or two or three that have, been shutterstock stuff as well so you yeah. know just stock footage and I'm I assemble it together then you know and it's okay it, it works for the tracks considering I'm a solo artist um, and your are
0: costs obviously
1: as well yeah and so yeah. this time I was like I don't I don't I pretty much don't have the time to do every single facet of <laughs> what it was entailed nowadays to get your correct your music out there you know so yeah. I stumbled across actually I think Alan Averill had a podcast on this recently so this, <laughs> This ties in really well with, with what he was talking about. He was talking about um, AI art, and yes. like the the morality behind it and all that. And I understand that too. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, being in tech, you know, my job could be gone in ten years' time. You know, it's that yes. fast going. Um, yeah. but as anything, I think it's going to be complementary and real. Like not real artists, but any artist will be able to tack on that onto their own stuff. What I did was for a few of those images was some of my old albums covers. I would put that into the AI and generate new texts and it was yeah. throwing out new stuff based on my artwork. Yes. So yeah. it was new fun to explore as well. It was kind of like a, like, Oh, this is kind of cool to mess around with. Of course. And then yeah. I just started morphing all the pictures into one another and trying mm-hmm. to go with the lyrics. So I was putting the text prompts, yeah. you know, as my lyrics into it as well. So it wasn't just like, I'll just,
0: you know, take all these random things and throw it in. So it was a bit of talk behind it. Like, and I thought it it went okay, actually. Yeah. Uh, But I mean, again, it's, it's something to grab the imagination while you're, while you're listening to the track on YouTube, certainly. Yeah. And uh, it's kind of scary to
1: think that like, this is the start of it, you know, that mm, type of stuff.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've been truthful. I never heard of this. um, Yeah. To my shame, like, because I was a graphic designer way back in the day. So I know all about Photoshop and Mm. work express uh, um, yeah but, yeah and like you might have heard of like the deep mind stuff like
1: the google so like Dali e or whatever yeah. i think we're the first kind of yes. incarnation of it and then these guys came along as like let's let's go one step further exactly like <laughs> like. yeah you that's know, mental
0: it is um, mental yeah um, but it is it is something there for yourself to uh get material out of get uh, content and there is the the whole
1: there is I don't, yeah i understand yeah, that like is, i always is, yeah, i'll yeah. always go First, foremost, with 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 that, yeah. Um, you know, when I can, yeah. um. But I definitely think it opens it up to a lot of people that wouldn't have done it otherwise. Correct.
0: So, yeah. and as I said, the the artwork for the Collapse of the Mountain is fantastic, man. And that's so nice that uh, the grief helped you along with that. In yeah, I saw it on was it either Metal. I don't think Metal Iron was still around, but
1: Metal Warfare is kind of. A, A kind of new birth of it or whatever and they put up the album and I was listening and I was like I bought it when I heard the first track thought it was amazing and um, I was like oh that artwork's great and I think someone else asked about it and then that's how I found out and I searched it in
0: myself So for physical copies it's there in CD? Yeah, correct Yeah, You Um, haven't explored the idea of t-shirts wearing yet have you? I did it back in 2016 and I went
1: with a website that you know they'll only once you get to a certain amount of orders they'll do the bulk one and they'll ship them out to all the various people i ended up just doing a few for myself (laughs) (laughs) just shipping it to myself (laughs) and um just because i I like the design i i uh, i got a guy to do before um but Mm. yeah once i start getting into that realm i don't know like i it's kind of like the same thing with celebrities that I have about it. Like, I, I, mm. I don't know. It's just like it feels weird to, like, have people wearing it or something, you know, that kind of way. Yeah, okay. Um, obviously, like, I love seeing band teachers anyway, but um, I don't know if I could add that as another thing on my list of things to do and, and to sort out. Like I've. Yeah, I mean, time TV.
0: is the enemy, really, isn't it? Yeah, Your and own space, time. you
1: know, um, especially for, for, like, having extra large and extra small that you never sell, you know, I'm trying yeah. try to be realistic as well about it, you
0: know. Yeah, I suppose that's the advantages of a pre-order it's something you could explore as well.
1: Yeah, so I might go back down that realm again and mm. just, just see how things go with this.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, you know, there's only so much one can expect of you to do. I mean, I have to give a shout out at this stage as well to Jack from Rotlust. Mm. Um, that video he did with Olga was yeah. just incredible. Um, yeah, I mean, it's, I mean, it's great to see that and,
1: and get the creativity from it. Because, like, obviously back back in the day when, you know, you'd be watching videos, like, more, like, say, MTV or whatever. Yeah. Um, it was just great to see a lot of creativity back then. And then it was kind of lost for a good while. I feel it's kind of coming back. It is. Um, and just getting more creative with it, you know, rather than just the usual I'm in a dungeon or a warehouse. <laughs> you know, I'm playing in a dirty place. Yes.
0: <laughs> Yeah, so we've seen it all before. Like you know, look, it's uh, fantastic what you've done, man, and congratulations again on on the release and long there. may it continue, Kevin. Yeah, thanks Richie. Yeah. So, Collapse the Mountain is out. It's there on CD and uh, head over to Bandcamp. Camp. We'll find it there, and Kevin is raising a glass there of whiskey. <laughs> <laughs> and and you oh, know, it's nice for you to come on the show, and and it's great to celebrate another stellar release. The Irish metal scene, and thanks to that kid for playing. Yeah. Cheers, Richard. Thanks for all you do, and
1: and all your metal uh, cell uh, members as well. It's it's great. Uh, Yeah. Great
0: to listen every week. Yeah. It's it's look, we're out there to help the likes of you, man, and that's why we're doing the show. So um, I'm going to leave it at that, and crucially, support the local metal scene.